As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Three, two, one, zero. Hello. Welcome to... Episode 170, Miss Biology. Hey, Money Clan, a very warm welcome to the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. So, Katie, really epic conversation we had with Deanna today and talking all about financial independence, like overcoming obstacles in life in general. And I think she's an absolutely incredible person. Yeah, I was really inspired. I know everybody, nobody gets out of life without an obstacle. Right. But people do have different levels of obstacles. And I think that when you are in the middle of your own crisis, you think that can't get any worse. And then, bam, you talk to somebody and you're all of a sudden thinking like, oh, well, it could definitely be worse. And I am just so inspired by people who have really overcome great obstacles, which uh, Deanna will talk about what she had to overcome in our conversation with her. Yeah, totally agree. So just before we dive into our episode, for those of you who don't know, Katie and I have actually got a debt course coming out real soon, and we're looking to give it away to five people that have got an incredible debt story. We really want to help people and help them achieve whatever it is that they're trying to like pay back, whatever it is. If you'd like, you can head on over to chainofwealth.com slash course. You can enter in an application and we will review everyone's application and only five people are going to get it. So please, 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 everyone sign up if you are in debt and you're trying to get out of it and you'd like access to a free course. We would absolutely love to hear what your story is. Yeah. Cool, Kate. You ready to dive right in? Yeah. Fantastic. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Deanna Broaders is a 46-year-old single woman on the path towards financial independence. She, however, has not always been money savvy, but with the change of mindset, and she became serious about financial peace in 2014. By the end of 2017, Diana had paid off just under $47,000 in debt, and in early 2018, she began her journey as an investor. 
She blogs at over at MissBiology.com, inspiring other women to take control of their lives. Welcome, Diana. Hey there. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. So with that introduction that Dennis gave and everything, uh, in addition to your finances getting under control, you had a bit of a baffle with some other things in 2009, which um, was kind of a turning point for you. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I would say the one word to describe me is probably transformed. And so (laughs) (laughs) in many ways, um, but yeah, I struggled with addiction and alcoholism um, and really kind of came to a head in my 30s um, where I hit a pretty heavy bottom. And I will say that as I looked back when I got sober, I was able to recognize that there had always been issues with alcohol. And then as I started experimenting with drugs, but I was a high functioning addict and alcoholic, and I never thought I was an addict or an alcoholic until, like I said, in my 30s when I hit a pretty hard bottom and I finally became willing to recognize that there was a problem and that I needed help. And that was probably the the biggest turning point of my life yet. And from that one decision to ask for help, to pray, to surrender, to become willing to look at myself and uncover the reasons why um, out of that have flowed so many other wonderful things in my life. Um, I just had a lot of denial. I had a lot of things that I was hiding, a lot of past resentments and unreconciled past. And uh, it just had a way of catching up with me. And so I had been hiding in the use of substances and kind of finding ways to escape and just cope. You know, I mean, like I said, I was a high functioning addict. So I always worked and I maintained my studies and my jobs, but um, I had a lot of stuff underneath that um, needed to be dealt with. And so when I became ready to deal with all that stuff, my life has really taken a turn. And so just you know, healed relationships, a better understanding of myself, changing habits, changing my thought patterns, and then becoming ready to work on my finances. So that has been my most recent blessing and a new passion of mine. You know, I first, I just wanted to get financial peace. But as I went down that road in paying off debt and then learning how to invest, I became really passionate about it and started writing a blog. So it's kind of fun to be here and even amazing that I'm at this point when I think about it. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And I think I really like how like you're high functioning because when you think of people who are struggling with like drugs and alcohol, you're kind of thinking like people who are not, you know, your friends and going to work and going to school and doing well at work and in school. People can really struggle with that kind of thing. And even close friends or family members might not even know about it. Yes, definitely. For some reason, growing up, that was one of my the biggest rules that I learned was don't get caught. Yeah. And so I, I always flew under the radar and I wanted to appear normal, like I wanted to be a normal member of society for the most part. And so I became really good at hiding those things, which is dangerous, right? I mean, there's some more overt people that are addicted and, you know, everybody can see it. And sometimes that's better because people are willing to intervene. But when people don't know what really the problem is, they don't know how to help you. And so it's kind of a dangerous place. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, you know, like that really has been a massive journey. And like you say, now sort of turning towards your finances and getting that under control, you really have gone under a massive transformation. So my real questions to you is what has been one of your biggest factors for success? So 
Is it maybe a particular person that was in your life? Was it like a goal that you set? Like what sort of triggered that transformation? And what was really one of the biggest drivers, or even if there are multiple drivers, like what, what exactly spurred that? Yeah. Yeah. So I would give credit to multiple mentors in my life. So I think one of the biggest keys is accountability. You know, so as I said, I'd lived almost this double life of being addicted to these substances and then trying to do all these other normal things on the side. So I lied to people. Um, I had to keep up with my lies. And so when I got sober, I became honest and willing to talk about it and also open to receiving the help of others. And, um, you know, my faith has played a huge part in it too. So I was raised um, as a Christian, but I walked away from that for many years. And then um, when I got sober, that was, you know, the first thing I did was get down on my knees and pray. And so that's been a huge part of my journey. But then asking people and getting the right people in my corner to kind of walk with me in sobriety, um, in my financial life, and then allowing them to speak into my life and also call me out and challenge me and push me to get better. I would say that's probably one of the biggest keys to my success. Okay, so Deanna, what does financial independence mean to you? And do you think that anybody can achieve it? Ooh, on the second part. Um, and, <laughs> and we asked the, the deep question. Yeah, you do. I'll come back to that one in a second. But on the, <laughs> on the first part of your question, um, it, to me, it means having enough money that produces passive income that I can live off and not need to work or produce more income in the future. So that's essentially what it means. And um, I know there's some controversy surrounding the 4% rule of thumb. And so I recognize that. So I also think it means having a diverse portfolio of investments that I am confident that I am going to be able to be sustained for the remaining days of my time here on earth without having to produce more income. Although I'm not opposed to producing more income after I hit financial independence, but that's essentially what it means to me. And, um, and then to the second part of your question, can anybody achieve it? So I would like to say yes. And I'm always rooting for the underdog. Obviously working with women in recovery, I tend to work with some women that are pretty down and out. And I, I believe if you're still breathing, there's still a chance, but, um, and so I'm always encouraging people to look for that second chance in life. Um, but achieving financial independence, you know, it could mean different things for different people. And I do recognize that there's different levels of privileges and there's different starting points for so many people. So I would never discourage anybody from going after it, but I think it might have to be tailored for certain people in certain situations. And I don't know, one that's coming to mind is, for example, I have a friend in recovery who's found a lot of success, who's recovered from a heroin addiction. She's got even more time than I, like 11 years. And um, due to some other issues, she's actually on disability, but she's got a comfortable living. And so she's found her purpose in helping women in recovery. She gets um, this disability income. She actually got married. So her husband has an income and um, she works in the sense of she works with a ton of women in recovery, but she doesn't work for a paycheck. So you know, in some way, you could say she's found her own type of financial independence. She's living a life of purpose. So maybe that's a roundabout way of answering your question, but no, <laughs> there you I have like it. it. And I like with how you mentioned with your friend, like she is living financially independent in a more non traditional way, but she has really strived to find inner peace. And I think that's something that a lot of times people lose track of on their quest to financial independence. We've talked to a lot of people where they say, if you love what you do for work, mm. 
you don't really ever work at all because you love it and you enjoy it and you're not counting the hours until you get to go home and you're not counting the days until you can quit your job. And I think there's a fine line between inner peace and enjoying what you do and true financial independence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. So for our listeners that don't know, what exactly is the 4% rule and and how does that work? Yeah. So as I understand uh, the 4% rule, when I came into the financial independence community, as I was still paying off my debt, I learned about it. And, you know, I like to call it the 4% rule of thumb, as I've heard others say, because there are some nuances about it that you need to be aware of. But generally, it means that if you save up 25 times your annual expenses, that you can live off 4% of those investments for the remainder of your days. And then, as I said, there's some other things to consider, you know, safe withdrawal rates, and there's a lot of nuances to take into consideration, but that's the general idea. And then it obviously means if you can drive down your annual expenses, the less you have to save up. But, you know, for example, if you've determined that $40,000 is a comfortable amount to live off of, and that will sustain you for the remainder of your days, then you would need to save up a million dollars in investable assets. Okay, so what are some of the more important things that you can do to achieve financial independence to follow that 4% rule? Yeah, so, you know, and I'm I'm new on this journey, so I'm just figuring all that out. But that's essentially why I started my blog, so that I could kind of have accountability, so I could research things, and so I could expose what I'm doing and then uh, get some feedback from others in the community. But the basics are driving down expenses. Some of the big ones are housing, you know, automobiles and uh, food. Those to me are the three biggest. And so, you know, you drive those things down. Um, You know, I drive an older car. I don't have a car payment. My next car that I purchase, I will pay cash for. Um, Right now, my housing, I'm actually renting an apartment, but I have a very modest one bedroom apartment. So my rent is fairly low. Um, But some of the other things that you can do there are um, house hacking, you know, I love that concept of potentially buying a duplex and renting out half, living in the other half or having roommates being open to some alternative things in regards to driving down your housing expenses. And then food, you know, we are blessed here in this country that we have a ton of great restaurants to go to, but that's expensive. And so just being a little bit smarter and um, it's also better for our health when we prepare our own food. And so I do a lot of meal prepping. I do most of my own cooking and uh, I don't like to cook every day. So I do a lot of my meal prepping on the weekend so that I have food for the week. And that's helped me drive down that expense a lot. And then, you know, cell phones are some more effective ways to have uh, cheaper cell phone plans. And I don't have cable. I've found that I don't really need it. And so just being a little bit smarter about all the expenses. And then, you know, once you drive all those things down, though, there's a finite amount, you know, there's a bottom that you're going to hit where you can't drive things down any further. So the other side of the equation is increasing your income. And so I do that. I work really hard in my career. I try to improve and continue learning and um, drive up profits at our company because I know in turn that will increase my income. And so that's kind of the fun part because there's no ceiling on, you know, how far you can go with your income, but you can also do it through side hustles and, um, you know, part-time jobs and just whatnot. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. And I love that because we live in a very populated area where there's a ton of restaurants. There's like five right within like a stone's throw where we live. And oftentimes when we go out, 
afterwards, like, it's nice because you don't have the cooking and the cleanup and the mess that you have to deal with. But a lot of times I'm not as satisfied as when we cook at home. Do you feel the same way, Dad? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and even going out for coffees when we go to, you know, coffee chains to get, like, a latte or a cappuccino. Like, we bought an espresso machine, like, years ago. And so it has more than paid for itself. And we just go and buy nice beans now and we make it at home. And it's nice because it's cheaper and you know exactly what is going in your food when you're cooking at home. Because a lot of times, like if we go out for burgers, we have a really good burger place right down the street from us. But I feel like their burgers are like wet. Yeah, like they're super greasy. So like... (laughs) It really is stuff like that. You don't have control into what's going into the food. So from a health perspective, you're really kind of rolling a dice. But also from a cost perspective. It is expensive. It sure does. And I think there's been studies that, you know, when you pay for something, even, you know, something around your house, though, you have higher expectation of it being perfect. And while nothing is ever perfect, but when you do it yourself, whether it be cooking or home improvement, we're a little bit more forgiving you know, on the, the end product not turning out perfect. Yeah, I can agree with that. Because when you're mm-hmm. paying for something, you're expecting it to be to a certain level. And sometimes, yeah. oftentimes it falls a little bit short than that. And then when you do it as a treat, you know, like I go out to eat occasionally, I do allow myself that it's more of a treat. And I usually appreciate it more versus going out every day. It gets old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. So do you have any articles on your blog that you've written recently that you're really proud of and want to promote? Ah, okay. Put me on the <laughs> it's like I was, I was waiting for this question. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I, I didn't prepare. Um, well, the first one that came to mind, yeah, that I, will, I wrote not too long ago that um, I think was kind of a fun article is called Get in the Center of the Room. And I, I did talk about it on another podcast, but yeah, it was about the idea of a little bit about risk reward and taking the appropriate amount of risk. And so the, what the premise for this article was, I learned how to do a headstand. I kind of like gymnastics and all that. And so somebody was giving me tips and they said, well, you're never going to be able to do the headstand if you keep doing it up against the wall. You need to get into the center of the room. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I know. Kind of scary, right? But um, I, so I, when I was teaching myself, I padded my family room, I moved everything away. And I had this big area and a bunch of pillows. And so I felt confident that I could try it. And if I fell over, I wouldn't kill myself. So and it was not having that safety of the wall behind me, you know, was a little bit scary. But I eventually learned to do it through trial and error, because it's not really fun to fall down. And so I wanted to hold myself up. And I had already built up the core strength to be able to do it. It was just getting past that fear And so the correlation of that to finances and financial independence, you know, going for financial independence is a big audacious goal. And if you're going to do it, you're going to have to get in the center of the room and ask the tough questions, meet the people that have already achieved it and find out how they did it. Um, Be willing to expose, you know, what it is you're doing, your net worth, your debt, all of that, and be open to receiving feedback. And so you can't really do that, I think, by sitting on the sidelines. You really need to get in the middle of the room. And so that's kind of where how I correlated that article. And then also, don't mistake the center of the room for a cliff. So, you know, ironically, when I was drinking and drugging, I was afraid of the center of the room. So drinking and drugging gave me this false sense of security. But 
ironically, I took myself to the cliff because I was putting my life at, at danger, you know, and risk, um, risked a lot. And I knew a lot of people that didn't make it back. And, um, so, you know, be careful, don't mistake the center of the room for a cliff. And then also <laughs> don't go to the cliff either. You know, there is a, a balance between finding the appropriate amount of risk that you need to take. I absolutely love that. I think that that you literally tied those two topics perfectly together. So I'm definitely going to go check out that article after this podcast. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. And then I have one more question, which is completely unrelated, but I feel like you have to have a really strong neck to mm. do a headstand. Is that? Yeah, yeah? that might. That, that's a great question. So I think, yeah, I know, because it is kind of, sorry, there's nothing. That's all I could think of was, wow, how strong is your neck? There, well, there's two ways that I know that you can do it. One is the, one, the way that I like where you put your hands around your head and it just provides comfort. And then the other way, you might want to look it up on YouTube, is where you have your hands like a, um, flat on the ground. So it's almost like a tabletop. But yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. Your neck probably does need to be strong. So I would say there's nothing wrong with first practicing up against a wall because that gives you like the general feel for what it is and is your neck strong enough to do it? <laughs> and then and then, uh, then maybe you'll find out if you're ready to practice in the center of the room or practice <laughs> in the pool, which I've heard you talk about, Katie, right? You can do handstands in the pool. <laughs> I can, I can. That is, I'm not super athletic, but I do know how to swim pretty decently. I, I'm not afraid of drowning. Nice. <laughs> Money Clan, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back to the value lake round. Money Clan, we're looking to give free access to five people to our up and coming debt course. You can head on over to chainofwealth.com slash debt course. We would love to hear what you're currently struggling with. As a reminder, this is only going to be available to five people and we've had a lot of people apply already. So we're really looking for some authenticity and some really inspirational stories and your own personal circumstances. So definitely let us know what you're currently working on. That's chainofwealth.com slash debt course. Okay, Deanna. So what does your savings or retirement plan look like today? For people who don't know, like where to start. Yeah. So obviously the first thing that I did was I got out of debt. So once I was able to get out of debt, I was able to really focus on investing and saving. And, you know, you don't have to get out of debt to be investing and saving. But I found for me, it eliminated a big obstacle in the way. So now that I own my entire paycheck, I, let's see. So I do, I have an emergency fund that I keep in an online savings account. I just, I get a lot of peace of mind from that. And then I also have a fund for a future car. I budget for everything. So I have little savings accounts in my online savings account for, you know, automobile repairs, you know, you name it, it's in my budget. But then in regards to my retirement, I'm maxing out as many tax advantage accounts that I have available to me. So I max out um, through my employer, a simple IRA. I max out an individual IRA. Additionally, I'm on um, a health savings account qualified plan. So I max out an HSA and I invest all of those monies in mutual funds so that I'm going to use that for my retirement because that's a great tax shelter. And then uh, I pay for my health expenses out of pocket and then I just save those receipts. So later on when I need to access that money, I can reimburse myself. And then furthermore, I'm starting to now do some post-tax investing. So I have an M1 account that I'm just starting to play around with and 
having fun, you know, getting buying fractional shares of stocks. And so um, just trying to ramp up some of that. So that's my general plan. I do have an interest in getting a little bit more diversified, at least in terms of adding some real estate to my portfolio. I'm not ready for that yet, but I have plans maybe in five or so years. I would love to um, maybe buy a duplex, especially if I'm still single, you know, something could change and that plan might change. But as a single person, that sounds attractive. If I can uh, uh, save up, put a good down payment down on a duplex and live in half and rent out half. Yeah, good definitely. For you. Sounds like a solid plan. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a favorite book you're currently into or that you've read recently? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I do. I love to read. And so I'm actually, I'm going to mention two books because one has nothing to do with money and then the other one does. But the one I'm reading currently, it's called Dreamland by Sam Kinons. I think I'm saying it correctly. But anyways, it's about the opioid and the opiate addiction here in the United States. And he's a journalist. And so he kind of follows these two tales where specifically he followed, you know, where um, pain medications and the prescriptions, prescribing of pain medications kind of peaked in the 90s, especially with Purdue Pharma's campaign to market OxyContin. So he talks about that. And then he also follows um, the influx of black tar heroin that was brought over from a small town in Mexico called Jalisco. And he follows these two tales and just the marketing campaign of both was brilliant and diabolical. And so it's kind of disturbing, but I find it you know, as a person in recovery and a person who helps other women in recovery, I really want to know how the stuff got out of hand. And so like anything, you know, when you understand where it came from, it makes it easier to um, help treat the problem. Most definitely. Yeah, it's a really good book. It's eye opening. And then, yeah, I love reading a lot of financial books. The one I think I'll highlight today, though, is uh, Retire Inspired by Chris Hogan. So I read that last summer, actually. But it's just a great book about setting your retirement number, that it's not an age, that it is a number. And then he goes through the basics of, you know, debt, budgeting, planning for your future. And then he talks a lot about behavior, which I'm a big fan of. And one of my favorite lines from the book is, think about regret like a rearview mirror in your car. Uh, You check it every now and again um, to keep yourself from making terrible mistakes while you're driving. But why is that little mirror so small and the windshield so big? It's because you're supposed to look forward. So I I love that because I do glance back at my past. Obviously, it helps me remain grateful and recognize where I don't want to go. But the bigger picture is where am I going? You know, I have my future is so much brighter and I try to focus on that more so than the past. I love that. So going off of that, do you have a favorite quote you try to live by? Yeah. So I think my favorite quote of all time is by Mark Twain, which is forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. I I just think that's like a beautiful picture of undeserved forgiveness, which has been given to me and so many people give it to me in my life and have uh, accepted my amends for some of the wreckage I've caused in my past. And so I try to remember how beautiful that picture is. I love that. Deanna, we absolutely loved hanging out today. Do you have another last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Fantastic. I think the biggest thing that my story says to people is that it's never too late. You know, wherever you're at, if you're at a place of wanting to turn things around, know that you can. So just start and then um, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, 
get in a community and make sure you get some accountability in your life. I've found those are the biggest keys to my success. Money Clan, we've been hanging out with Deanna. You can check out her website. It's missbiology.com and definitely decide whether you are trying to achieve financial independence and start as early as you can. It's going to help you out the most in the long run. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.